I want to be part of a church that knows and lives like she's the body of Christ. A church that knows Jesus and is making him known in all she says, does, and represents. I want to be part of a church that's exciting, dynamic, constantly moving and constantly growing, responding to the promptings of Holy Spirit without compromise, shining light in dark places and challenging injustice wherever she goes. I want to be part of a church that's unswervingly committed to holiness, that takes Jesus' commands seriously and loves being in his presence. A church willing to do anything for her bridegroom and a church that acts like he's coming soon. I want to be part of a church that looks like Jesus, that loves like he loves and hates what he hates, that relentlessly pursues Christ-likeness and, like a magnet, draws those far from him close. I want to be part of a church where we treat one another as family, where we share everything and hold what we have with open hands, where generosity abounds and others are amazed at the countercultural sacrificial love among us. I want to be part of a church that's united in spirit and purpose, where every member plays their part and friendships are many, open and strong where we're marked not by pride or false humility or a desire for significance, but by authenticity, love, and a culture of honor. I want to be part of a church where we're committed to one another and have no boundaries to what we do for Jesus. A church where nothing else matters but him and his glory. A church where we truly know our God and what he requires of us. I want to be part of a church where the supernatural is every day, where the spiritual battle is real and our victories are celebrated with gusto, where God's power, truth and love invade everything. I want to be part of a church that looks different from the world, that stands out like a city on a hill, where lives are uncluttered, simple and unwanting, yet full of purpose, movement, and passion. I want to be part of a church that wakes every morning hungry to know God more, where we're learning, growing, healing, and restoring one another into his likeness, bringing his kingdom into the here and now. I want to be part of a church that celebrates, where feasting is the norm, and yet fasting is a joy where each of us know the Father's embrace and rejoice in being sinners saved by grace. I want to be part of a church that restores the image of God in our midst, where his presence among us inspires awe and wonder, where the world's words, weights and expectations are ripped up and replaced by a countercultural revolution of love, hope and purpose. I want to be part of a church that is wide awake, that lives life with eyes wide open, each member indwelt and empowered by Holy Spirit, a church of uncompromising, infectious Jesus followers, using Holy Spirit gifts in bringing heaven to earth through every relationship, place, and circumstance.
This is the church I want to be a part of. This is the church Jesus is building. So am I willing to be disrupted, uncomfortable, obedient, changed? It starts here. It starts with me. So how about you? Stirring, isn't it? Does it stir you up? Does it provoke something within you? Does it make you think, wow, I want to be part of something like that? Does it? No, some people are going, no. No, they are. Some people are going, no, because they don't get it. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And uh, we, we, need to, uh, we need to get Jesus. So it's aspirational. Chris is going, I want this. I want that. I, I want us to be all that God has made us to be, his church on this earth. And so I asked a, a last week question, what's your ambition not asking you to answer it now, but maybe you thought about it. What is your ambition? What is your ambition? My ambition, I've got a few that are sub, but my ambition really is to know Jesus. To know Jesus and make him known. To know Jesus and make him known. As a leadership team, we want our ambition to be that that we know Jesus and make him known. In some senses, we could say that's, that's too simple or it's too general, but it's actually at the heart, the core of everything he wants for us, to know Jesus and to make him known. I believe that it's a great ambition. In fact, I believe it is the greatest ambition that we could ever have and to give the rest of our lives to and for, to know Jesus and to make him known. The Apostle Paul is an inspiration to me. We find that when he writes to the the church at Philippi, say in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, he says this, Whatever were gains to me, or whatever was a profit uh, to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake... I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul is thinking about his life. You can leave that up if you want, George, thanks. He's thinking about his life. He's weighing up. He's using the language of accounting. What is a gain? What is a profit? What is a loss? You know, has this working out for me? And what he's saying is this. Quite simply, Jesus, knowing Jesus, is the greatest, best, most important thing. It's what life is all about. Everything else pales into insignificance. 
everything else is rubbish. And he's thought about it. He's considered it. He's weighed it up. He's just not making an off-the-cuff comment. He's saying, I consider, I've really thought about this. Everything, everything is a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's thought about it and he's made his mind up. Knowing Jesus is the greatest thing. You know, Paul had pride in his past life, in the things that he did. Before he met Jesus, he thought his life was good. He thought he was living his best life. He was doing things that he thought, this is the right thing, this is the best thing, this is the good thing. And he had a group of friends around him who agreed with him and cheered him on and said, yes, you are, that's really good. What your plans do? Yeah, we like it, we support it. But now Paul is saying, that is a load of old rubbish. What I thought, what they thought, what we agreed together is rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. And so Paul, he met with Jesus and it changed everything. But before that, he thought those things in his life were really important. I don't know what you think or what has been really important to you in past life. It could be sex, drugs, rock and roll. It could be business. It could be motorbikes. It could be anything that got your attention and you thought that's what it's like, that's what it's about, that's what you wanted, even though you knew that maybe some of it didn't do you any good. The fact is it did you some good. It's not really good. It's not good, but you thought it was good. I thought it was good. I thought the best ambition for my life, right, was to have a motorbike, ride round wherever I liked, have no ties, have no commitment. I'd be the uncle who rode into town every now and again and saw my nieces and nephews, and then I'd be off again. And they never knew when I was going to come back. No commitments, no ties. I got that wrong. I did get that wrong. But you know what? That is what I wanted to do with my life. Can you see how that was so diametrically opposed to the will and purpose of God for my life? People, connection, loving, helping, building up. One was to isolate and get away. And the other is completely different. And so we might not... I wasn't thinking that was the greatest ambition. It was just, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to escape every responsibility going. <laughs> what a joke. You know, but that's what I wanted to do. And so we do that in life. We make things that aren't important, important. We make things that aren't important as if we cannot live without them. And we might not say that, but if we look at our bank account, if we look at our time, if we look at what we do and what we say, if we take an honest inventory, then that will tell us something. Okay? Our bank account is a spiritual account. You will see what's important to you, what you value. 
You know, life without Jesus is like a broken pencil. Pointless. There's no point to life without Jesus. And yet we make loads of points in life. There's a, um, an, a, a pastor of mine used to say this phrase, and I've since changed it massively, but he used to say to me, some hounds run because they see the hare running. Some hounds run because the other hounds are running. And it was only the other day I was talking to someone and I went, do you know what? I don't, I don't like that because it's not, it's not speaking to me like this. See, some sheep run because they hear the voice of the shepherd. Some sheep run because they see the shepherd. They recognise the shepherd. But you know, some sheep run because other sheep are running. Oh, where are we going? What, 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 where am I? They haven't seen, they don't get, they don't know the good shepherd of their souls, but they're part of a flock and they bound around, but they don't really know what they're doing, what's going on and who the shepherd is. Some sheep stay close to the shepherd. Some sheep live on his every word and on his every movement, or at least that's their desire. I want to be with the shepherd. Why? He's safe. Why? He's good. Why? He gives security. Why? He's going to feed me. Why? He's going to take care of me. He's going to love me. But other sheep can just bowl along and they miss out on the good shepherd and they know enough truth just to make them feel miserable and guilty about the bad things they do without the blessing of knowing the shepherd. And some shepherd, uh, sheep, sorry, they wander off. They get distracted. They get themselves lost. Some sheep are like on a bit of a yo-yo with the pull back gone. And it gradually folds in and out. And they've been coming around the sheep pen, smelling and seeing uh, the sheep and the shepherd, but missing out on the goodness of the shepherd. Some sheep put themselves in danger. And there's going to come a day when Jesus returns and he's going to divide the sheep from the goats. And there are going to be some sheep that don't realise that they're goats because they never knew the shepherd. Some sheep run because they see and hear the shepherd. Proverbs tells us this, always a favourite verse of mine, a dog returns to its vomit. So fools repeat their folly. There are some things that we do and we do again and we do them again and they're unwise and they're stupid and they're foolish. But that's our ways. We haven't quite got free. The shepherd hasn't quite sorted us out. Maybe because we haven't gone to him 
and said, you know what, whatever it takes, you can mess with my fleece, you can drag me out, you can examine me, do whatever you like, because you're the good shepherd. Sometimes as sheep, we can avoid the gaze of the shepherd because we think we know what's coming and we think we don't like it. And so we'd rather go back to our old ways to deal with it because it feels safe, it feels comfortable, we're used to it. It's bad news. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. And we can ask, why do I do that? Well, I think we know why we do it, because we're not doing what we should do. You know, we can start to follow Jesus, and then we can turn back. We can start to follow Jesus and get sidetracked, because he has caused it for our will to be sovereign. The choices that we make, the decisions that we make, the choices and the decisions that we manage. You can say, I have decided to follow Jesus and then go and do something completely opposed to King Jesus. And you still think, I'm following Jesus. And you're not. You've wandered off. You're living in deception. I'm living in deception. But we don't know it. We don't always get it. You know, certain aspects, as I said, of our life can can help us to deal with, to cope with things. Maybe they're not the best, but they somehow work a bit for us because that's the operating system we're used to. Jesus has come to kick out the old operating system and put a new operating system in us. The old that shouldn't be working anymore. It's not compatible anymore. The new has come, the old has gone. So we need to turn away from trusting in our sex and drugs and rock and roll and whatever it is and turn to Jesus. Turn from bad habits, turn from ungodly habits and turn to good, godly habits so that life is better. So, what will stop us going back to that old life? What will stop us going back to it is if we become thoroughly and utterly com- convinced, convinced that Jesus, that knowing Jesus is the greatest thing by far. See, Paul could have fallen back to his old way of living, but he considered it and he said, That is a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. If you and me consider that knowing Jesus is the greatest thing, if we think it's the most important thing, then our lives will change. But if we think that Jesus is an add-on, a help, a handhold now and again, and I hope he's there when I need him, Our lives won't change. We will be the same. We might have a belief in Jesus, but we don't know him. We're not walking with him. So we need to be convinced. All of us have become like, this is Isaiah 64, all of us have become like one who is unclean. We've We've sang and and prayed about this today. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. We are dead 
without Jesus. Without Jesus, there is no true life. So we need to become to that place where we're convinced that the old way of doing life really is rubbish and the person of Jesus and the way of Jesus, the way of doing life with him is so much ridiculously, amazingly, enormously better. We need to be convinced of that truth. It's a battle of the mind. We need to be convicted by the Holy Spirit of our sin and all that is not right and convinced by the truth that Jesus is the only way. And Paul was convinced. He says, uh, again in Philippians 3, verse 7, what we've looked at before, whatever were gains or profit to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. I've got the Messiah. I've got the Anointed One. I've got Jesus and that is all I need because all life flows from him. He's the only source that I need. He's the only fount I need. Everything else is rubbish. Paul knows Jesus. Paul met Jesus on the Damascus road. You can read about that in the book of Acts. And his life was changed. He, his life was changed. He's been following Jesus throughout his life. He's, he's written like half of what we call the New Testament. He walked with Jesus. And after 27 years of walking with Jesus, he writes, um, he writes this, Philippians 3, verse 10. I want to know Christ. He's saying, I've considered and I've thought about it. Knowing Jesus is the greatest, most important thing. He knows Jesus. He's met him. He's known him. He's walked with him. And now he's saying, I want to know him. There's always more to know in Jesus. Always more to know. I want to know him. Paul is still hungry and thirsty for Jesus. He has met so many people and done so many things. He could have got bored of it. No, he was hungry and thirsty for Jesus. His ambition was to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. He was, his ambition was also to make Jesus known. So, let, so next week, we'll look at Paul's ambition to make Jesus known. But we're just focusing Paul's ambition, our ambition, my ambition, to know Jesus. There's a song by a guy called Graham Kendrick called um, Knowing You, Jesus. Knowing You, Jesus, that's what it's called. All I once held dear, built my life upon, All this world reveres and wars to own. All I once thought gain, I have counted loss, spent and worthless now compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. 
You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours. Wow. So Graham Kendrick, he's, he's, re- he's reading what Paul's written to the church at Philippi, and he's put it in a song. And he's saying this, you're my all, you're the best. Now my heart's desire is to know you more. Now my heart's desire is to know you more. Does that echo? My heart's desire is to know you more. To be found in you and known as yours. Knowing Jesus, it's the greatest thing. Now in May, uh, Helen and I celebrate our, our wedding anniversary. We would be married 31 years in May, God willing. Now I met Helen before we got married. I got, I got to know her and I know her now. Actually, after all these years, I know her. But you know what? I will still get to know her. There will be things that I will still discover about her, that I will still wonder about her, that I will still go, I'm not sure if I get that yet, about her. Now, if that's true of a human relationship, how much truer, how much more truer is it of our relationship when with Jesus? See, on the 1st of February this year, coming. So the 1st of February, 1988, I gave my life to Jesus. I said, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm going to follow you. And so I have been trying to follow Jesus for the last 35 years, through the ups and downs of life, through the highs, through the lows, um, through the delights, through the celebrations, through the agony, through the mystery. It's been the worst thing at times. God, why? And it's been the best, most amazing thing throughout, even in the why times. Because Jesus is good. And I want to know Jesus. See, I want to know him now. I want to know him more. I'm hungry and thirsty for him. I know him, but I don't know him. There's just so much more to know. And you know, I want to make him known. I want to make him known. So I'm hungry, I'm thirsty for Jesus. I have met him. I have known him. I know him today, but I want to know him more. Why? Because I'm nothing without him. I'm nothing without Jesus. He is the faithful one. I want to know him, and I'm confident of this for me and for each one of us, that he, Jesus, who began a good work in us, will carry on to completion. He will remain faithful. He will finish what he's doing, and it's just up to me whether I'll finish what I'm doing, whether I'm going to be faithful, whether I'm going to persevere, whether I'm going to continue, whether I'm going to keep on choosing him. That's down to me, but he is faithful He still chooses me. He still calls to me. He still wants me. And it's the same for each and every one of us. He wants relationship with 
us. He wants us to remain true to him. He wants to know us. And he wants us to know him. He wants you. He wants relationship about you, with you. So, if we're not intentional, if we don't think about it, if we don't do it on purpose, if we don't do it, then we won't have good habits, godly habits. All we'll have is bad habits. And what bad habits do is they control us. Bad habits control us, dominate us. Bad habits want to chew us up and spit us out. Behind bad habits is sin. Sin is crouching at the door of your life and it wants to have you. But you must master it. We must master and control bad habits. So we need to be intentional, deliberate, choosing about what we are doing with ourselves that we turn to good, godly habits. So if we want to know Jesus, if we want to know him more, there are things that we can intentionally, deliberately and practically do that help us in our knowledge of him. I'm not just talking about head knowledge. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about knowing information about him. I'm talking about knowing him. Heart knowledge, spiritual experience of the risen, living Jesus. Spiritual intimacy with Jesus. Spiritual union with him. I'm talking about relationship. So the foundational core um, biblical practice like reading your Bible, studying your Bible, spending time in his presence, in silence, in solitude, in prayer, fellowship with other believers, uh, where Jesus is the focus. So we can fellowship with other believers where football is the focus or, or something shopping is the focus and we think we've spent time with someone in fellowship. No, no, it's got to be centred on Jesus. Jesus has got to be at the centre. So there are, and there's a whole host of spiritual disciplines and practices that we can do, Right? And they help us in our relationship with God. But, warning, warning, they can be a trip hazard to us. Everything we do, we can make it about what we do more than our relationship with Jesus. We can miss the shepherd as sheep because we're caught up in the bridge that we're building or the tree that we're digging round or the river that we're navigating. Because whatever we do, it can become more important than who he is. And we get caught up in doing things, thinking we're spiritual, thinking we're great, filled up with pride and arrogance, and before you know it, we've wandered right away from our shepherd. Prime, the thing is, he wants us relationship. He wants to know us. Like, do we want to know him? Or are we content with doing things for the sake of doing things and then feeling good about ourselves when it just becomes shallow, empty? Oh, so we, I'm not saying don't do things. I'm just saying be very careful. So Jesus said this, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. 
These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. As Christians, the Bible is really, really important, but we are not meant to worship the Bible. We are meant to worship Jesus, and a good relationship with the Bible will help us. But a poor relationship with the Bible can be idolatry. I know, why is it so difficult, Lord? Why is it so... But anyway, you know, Jesus said, this is eternal life that they may know or should know you, the only true living God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So eternal life is knowing, eternal life is knowing God is knowing Jesus. That is eternal life. Eternal life isn't going somewhere when you die. Eternal life is knowing Jesus now and forever. But it's knowing him. That's what it's about. Jesus says, Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, chilling and scaring, I know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you, Away from me, you evildoer. What? Like, do you know what? It's good to prophesy. It's good to drive out demons. It's good to perform miracles. That's good. But if it becomes all about prophesying, if it becomes all about casting out demons, if it comes all about the miracle, we miss the shepherd. We can miss Jesus in the midst of doing the very thing he's asking us to do if we take our eyes off Jesus and make it all about what we're doing. Scary fault. We need to be aligned to Jesus. Relationship. It's about knowing him. And so it's the Father's will that we should know him. Jesus wants relationship with us. Jesus wants to know us and he wants us to know him. Jesus is the greatest thing. Now, I've talked a lot about knowing Jesus. We need to expand it. So I want to read the whole of John chapter 14 to us. Okay, I'm not going to expound and comment on all of it. I am going to bring us to a few verses. So, John's Gospel, chapter 14. Let it, let it do you good. Let it wash over you. And then a few highlights. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have you also may be where I am. Come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas says to Jesus, "Uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. 
From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Um, Philip says, "Uh, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realise that I am in my Father and you are in me, And I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You have heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come, let us leave. So, three things I want to say. One is, to know Jesus, to know Jesus, so we want to know Jesus and make him known. To know Jesus is to know the Father. Okay? To know Jesus is to know the Father, the good, good Father, the God of compassion and love and mercy and tender-heartedness, a good Father. To know Jesus 
is to know the Father, to be safe in his arms, to be full of love and security. Knowing Jesus is knowing the Father. To know Jesus is to know the Holy Spirit. Father and Jesus send the Holy Spirit. If we're talking about knowing Jesus, we're talking about knowing the Father and we're talking about knowing Holy Spirit. We're talking about relationship with Jesus, with Father, with Holy Spirit. Uh, the, The relationship with the Holy Spirit that brings strength and courage and boldness to do the things that God made us to do in the way that he made us to do it because we're doing it in the Spirit and not in our own by our own works and by our own flesh, in the Spirit. It's key to know Jesus is to have a relationship with our Father. And when we are loved by our Father, when we know our identity in him, we can flourish. And when we know the leading of the Holy Spirit and we're doing all the things that he wants us to do, how he wants them to, we can know the joy of pleasing our Father. You know, that guy who wrote the, the, the book, The Five Love Languages, what's his name? doesn't really matter, but he does to him and his family. But he wrote a book, The Five Love Languages, uh, you know, gifts and time and physical touch and things like that. What's God's love language? Obedience. Obedience. God's love language is obedience. If you love him, you'll obey him. Jesus is saying, look at me, I obey my Father. I love my Father. So, you know what? We can say that we love Jesus. We can say, I love him so much. And it's mushy, emotional, uh, feely love. When we say, I love God, we must have in our mind obedience. Otherwise, it's not speaking his love language. We're loving him for ourselves and what we get out of it rather than loving him for loving him. So if we're going to know Jesus and make him known, it's obedience. There's a lot of obedience to be done. Okay. So God wants us to know him, to have spiritual experience, spiritual intimacy, spiritual union, supernatural love and encouragement, supernatural strengthening so that we do the right thing at the right time in a right way. That's alignment to the will of God, Yahweh. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you want to know us and that you want us to know you that we can know you. How truly amazing is that? That we can know you, the one true living God. Lord Jesus, our saviour, our brother, our friend, our Lord. And that through you, Lord Jesus, we can know our Father. We can know the love of our heavenly Father. We can know the security that that brings Thank you, Lord Jesus, that through you we can know Holy Spirit, that we can know his strengthening, we can know his encouragement to do what is right, to enable us to live uh, in love of you, to be obedient to you. Lord Jesus, help us to decide 
to follow you, to walk with you. No turning back. No turning back that we would have the cross before us and the world behind us. No turning back. No turning back. Come, Holy Spirit, and bring to us revelation that we would know Jesus and that we would consider knowing Jesus to be the greatest thing. Lord, turn my affections to you, I pray. Turn my affections away from worthless, stupid, rubbish things that I might know you and be found in you. Come, Lord, and help me to walk all my days with you in obedience, faithfulness, love to you. Help me, Lord, I pray, as I recommit my life to you. I say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you, and I want to make you known. Help me to do that, Lord, and help us to do that individually and corporately that we might know you, Jesus, and make you known to the glory of God. Amen.